Wow. We made it, folks. You made it! Three seasons of investigation and analysis of the narrative apparatus, and we're at the end. It's been a wild journey, y'all. And I think this here is just about the perfect time to engage in a little bit of reflection and summation, don't you? So, let's do this thing. Today, we're not only finishing out Season 3, we're concluding Internarrative by conducting a little bit of a retrospective of everything we've talked about over the last few months, why we've talked about it, and by taking a look at the narrative apparatus as a whole. My name is Kiwi Drummond, I use a she-her pronoun, and this is Internarrative. Let's rock. One last time. Where to begin? Where to start the end? Well... I think we start with a thank you. Specifically, me thanking you. The fact that you, dear listener, have felt inclined to give even a single episode of this podcast a listen means the absolute world to me. And for those of you who have listened to the whole thing through, well, my appreciation exceeds my ability to express myself. Thank you. Now, some of you may be wondering why I chose to do this whole thing to produce inter-narrative in the first place, and considering we're about to bring said whole thing to a close, I figure it's high time we talked about that because it does bear discussion. I have spent my entire life trying to understand people, trying to ascertain what makes them tick and how best to move amongst them. This was a task undertaken because I am, as it happens, remarkably bad at interacting with them. Now, this may come as a surprise to some of you, especially for those who know me in person, because I tend to ooze affability, and more often than not, come off as quite a personable sort of individual. At least that's what I've been told. The reason this is the prevailing impression of me is, in my opinion, because I got lucky real early on. You see, when I was but a wee lass, I twigged very quickly to the fact that irrespective of how socially inept one may truly be, portraying oneself as a confident and sanguine creature can, in fact, be all that is needed to make people think one knows what one is doing. I realized that by telling the right sort of story about myself in the right sort of way, it would become true. At least, it would in the eyes of my audience. Basically, 
I got very good at pretending to be a QE who could own a room. And the nice part is, as the years have gone on, it's become less of a performance and more of a concretized, bona fide reflection of who I actually am. As saith the poets of old, fake it till you make it. And throughout this constant and elaborate performance of the self, I've noticed a few things. Namely, the encompassing omnipresence of the narrative apparatus in our lives. In other words, the overwhelming prevalence of story logic, if you will. I started to realize that stories completely and utterly saturate the world because, as it turns out, everyone is constantly telling stories about themselves and about the world. It wasn't just me who was doing it. You tell stories to yourself to shape your self-concept. People tell stories to each other to mold interpersonal perceptions. Communities tell stories to themselves to determine their identity. Corporations tell stories to their consumers to affect positive brand images. Nations tell stories to their populace to cultivate and cement governing power. I came to the conclusion that the shape of everything everywhere is immutably determined by the stories we as human beings tell and by the stories our ancestors told before. Having had this epiphany of narrative prevalence, I decided, hey, there's probably a career in this, and promptly went to university so as to double major and double minor remind me never to do that again in fields that I thought would help me further explore this reality. Which brings us to now. Internarrative is my capstone project for one of my majors. Each of the last 14 episodes represents the work I am doing towards fleshing out and attempting to reify my thoughts and theories surrounding the dynamics of narrative in a more concretized and, frankly, coherent form. From semantics to Sapir-Whorf, persuasion to the parsing of information, communal belief to cancel culture, and everything beyond and in between that we have talked about, I have been striving to solidify for myself and, more importantly, communicate to you the sheer magnitude of impact the narrative apparatus, as I have taken to calling it, has upon our lives. And it's at this point you're probably frothing at the mouth to know, well, what's it all been for, QE? To what does all this stuff you've been talking about amount? What was the point? And that's a superb question, oh audience of mine. And the point I've been building up to for the last three seasons is this. Stories carry more psychological and sociocultural weight than any other human phenomenon you care to name. 
They have more subjective impact on us than anything else our reality contains. The be-all and end-all of the human condition is the narrative framework on which we have built it. Hell, if I were trying to be particularly controversial, I'd even go so far as to say that the vaunted edifice of objective reason is not only dead, it never even mattered in the first place. Long live the truth of the story. But you see, the thing about stories is that eventually, they have to end. And more often than not, that can be a somewhat sad or bittersweet thing. But new stories, shaped by those that have fallen, will always arise to take their place, and thereby the old will be remembered. And that's beautiful. And so in this way, no story can ever truly be over. It will be reimagined, reincarnated, and reiterated a thousand thousand times over and a thousand thousand times again for so long as there are people to dream the world in narrative terms. Nothing will ever truly end. Nothing is ever truly over. And is that not unto itself a form of immortality? A fluid, sempiternal memory of subjective profundity. And I know that that implies a sweeping absence of objective reality, and that that can seem intimidating at first. But truth be told, I think to some degree, it is better that we, as a species, have no hard and fast immutable certitudes. For in this way, we are each of us free to determine what is important and true to us for ourselves. It is this that empowers us to self-determine, to name the world and our experiences within it. Through stories, we are each of us empowered to delineate the shape of reality, unbeholden to the strictures of another's preconceptions, and that is magnificent. So there you have it. Stories are, in a word, ouroboric. They feed into themselves and into us. They permeate and delineate every aspect of our lives. But what is so fantastically beautiful about them is that we can influence them as much as they influence us. And while I must tell you that learning to do so is hard and frustrating, I will also tell you that it is so profoundly worth it. For as cliched as it might sound to be master of your story is to be master of your world. So get out there, folks. Tell your story. Shout it from the rooftops and get ever better 
at telling it thereby. Because you deserve the utmost agency in your life. Let stories be your means of claiming it. My name is Kiwi Drummond, and thank you for listening to my story. Goodbye.